Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. All right, so we are here with, with Ken. Uh, Ken, you uh, build a technology platform, but before we get into that technology platform that helps lenders out, we're on uh, a digital platform, digital interview. The first thing I see is these guitars behind you. Then you tell me your whole family is, is into musical instruments to play in the band, that kind of stuff. I feel bad. I tried piano. I, I tried a guitar for, I want to say a month, and I was horrible at it. And you have your whole family <laughs> into it. It's impressive. Yeah, they love music. It's, it's a... Uh... I've been a drummer my whole life. And so when the kids started picking up instruments, I'm like, yes, like they're, uh, they've really committed to playing. My son plays trombone for uh, Montana state uh, in their marching band. My daughter plays for Camas high school in their marching band. She's a drummer, which is awesome. And then my youngest sings and uh, my youngest two play guitar. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of music. That's, that's awesome, man. I actually had someone on the, the podcast that he worked on using music to get like emotions out and kind of like bonding or, the negative stuff, positive stuff, everything like that. I mean, and we're gonna get into it right now. Do you, is that kind of stuff ever play out? Do you feel like you get a closer bond with your kids because you're playing music with them? Yeah, definitely. And really for me, it's that one of the best feelings I ever have is playing drums in front of uh, an audience or a group. Like that, there's just, with music, you just kind of get into an instrument and you lose yourself a little bit. And for a second, nothing else matters. And especially during times like this, jumping on the drums is, you know, it just, for me, it can kind of take me to my own private space where it's, it's hard to describe. If you ever, if you ever get a chance, get in, into a drum circle because drum circles are just spiritual experiences and everybody's just playing and you don't have to be good, but there's just something about music that brings you uh, peace for me. Um, yeah. And I know for other people and it's that creative nature that's coming out and it's a language that everybody speaks. So, it's not, you know, everybody can kind of feel the thing that's moving when you're in a drum circle. Man, I sound like a total hippie right now, but. No, uh, I was like, well, <laughs> who is that? Well, I mean, I, 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 I kind of have, I know the idea you're kind of talking about, because I, I have the same thing, especially with in, in real estate, you know, I'll go to the gym and it allows me to kind of work through stuff that I'm kind of mm -hmm. dealing with. And mm -hmm. so it like kind of that has the same kind of, um, same with you right there with music. Now, so yeah. walk me through, how does this musician over here, end up building this technology company for, for lenders, for people in um, the real estate industry? Uh, that was kind of an accident. So uh, I was a musician growing up. I was actually in a rap group. I grew up in California oh, and nice. I was in a rap group as, uh, as a, in high school and then into college, I was in bands uh, and then went to school in Colorado. What's that? Can we hear any rap right now? No, I just yeah. actually just found <laughs> one of my tapes. We're all cleaning things. I just cleaned out my closet and found a tape, one of our old singles. Uh, so oh, I do have it, but uh, yeah, I still I still bust out some Beastie Boys and karaoke, but that's the extent of my rap career now. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I got I got out of college. Um, obviously, music wasn't going to be my future, and I got into uh, bartending, so I have a communications degree. And then uh, a buddy of mine was like, hey, you want to get into to mortgage? And I was like, well, do you have to sit behind a desk? And he goes, yep. And I'm like, nope. And he's like, yeah, but everybody's making money. It was like 1998. He's like, everybody's making money. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll give it a shot. And actually at that time, my wife, so my, my wife and I have been married, it'll be 25 years this year. And so my wife's like, hey, maybe take the interview. And I'm like, really? And she's like, paycheck. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I took the interview just on a whim. 
and it launched a career since 98. I've been kind of in that mortgage space. I was a loan officer, then an account executive. I moved up to the Northwest actually in uh, 2000 when the market was just really tough to get a house in the Bay Area where we, where we were living. Moved up in the Northwest as an account executive for a lender and then noticed nobody was training um, anybody. And I was watching as people were making horrible decisions. There was a lot of people committing fraud. And then a lot of people just got into the mortgage business, didn't know what they were doing and just failed. And I kept watching, I'm big into families and I kept watching these people like tell their family, don't worry, I'm going to go you know, make money for us. Things will be good. And then they failed. And then they'd have to go back to their family having failed and, and start over you know, in business. And I was like, I can't watch this anymore as a lender. I can't just help people get, you know, make money. I need to go out and help them grow in knowledge and wisdom and provide something for them that doesn't exist. So I started a training company in 03. And that's a, the company we have now. We became a technology in 2012 uh, when we started. Um, I went to a conference, non-mortgage related conference, a tech conference. And uh, I actually was, it was called DevLearn. It's an education technology conference. And I was like, you know, I bet we could improve the communication in the mortgage industry. And so got really excited and we started developing a uh, platform to um, help people train, but also to help people communicate. And it's, uh, it's think of social media inside of a company. And so oh. we started doing that. So we deliver a ton of training videos and then a lot of people use us as their platform. There's a progression of me getting bored and wanting to do something cool and new. So, so walk me through, were you, when you were doing the training, were you still, um, in the actual the mortgage industry, kind of helping out, doing anything, or you just jumped full board, kind of starting your own training? Yeah, I, I tried. So right when I got into training, I, you know, we I had made a ton of money in January and February of '03 as a lender, um, and so I I think I made four thousand dollars my first year as a trainer, and so I had made way more, you know, by tons more before I quit in two months than I did the rest of the year. Uh, and I tried, I thought, you know, when, when things didn't get going right away, cause you have to put a lot of work in your first year and every year after that, uh, when things didn't get going right away, I thought maybe I'll just do a loan back then you didn't need a license. So I tried doing one and I was like, you really have to be committed to do a loan and actually take it through the process. You owe it to the client to do it right and spend the time with them and have all that. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. So I tried one and then just gave it up. And that was 17 years ago. What do you what do you think that 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 catalyst was that says I'm going to switch over to to train people? Was it just out of spite of basically all this negative stuff happening, or what was that that one catalyst to you? Yeah, it it's always happened. Like when I was a you know growing up, I was a, worked at a as, at a daycare and I became you know kind of a leader there. Back in high school, I worked in bartending. I would always bartending or waiting tables. I would always end up being the trainer. And when I was a loan officer uh, in '98. By 99, I was their top producing nationwide loan officer and was killing it. And my boss came up to me and said, okay, you're bored. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you're bored. And I'm like, I'm your top producing loan officer. He goes, yeah, but you don't like your job that much. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, he had noticed that after I had, I had set records, I was like, I've kind of done there. And I want to help other people get that knowledge and like grow other people. And so I naturally just lead towards helping. Um, and so he get, got me to quit my job as a loan officer and become their national trainer. And then uh, that was while I was still in California. And so everything I do, I end up becoming a trainer. When I was an AE, I really didn't want to work with a lot of top producing loan officers because they already knew what they were doing. I wanted to get those brand new loan officers and help them because I get a lot out of 
helping people realize their potential and helping people um, be better. And for me, it's about the consumer, right? If I can help a loan officer be better at their job, I've helped a consumer get a much better loan. And we do a lot of compliance training. And so I read laws uh, constantly and deliver um, training on those. So it's just, it's always been, I always want to help people do things right. So you, you start the business in 2003, you said, right? Yep. And then, so 2008 comes along. <laughs> it uh, how, it how, did. How, so how strong was your business and how was it able to survive basically those rocks? It wasn't. Um, so when 2008 hit, it was 2000, late seven or early eight, um, we lost most of our business uh, almost overnight. I remember there was two days in a row and I lost my two biggest clients, one one day and one the very next day. And we're talking about like, that was our paychecks was these clients um, for these live events that we were doing. And I fly around speaking. And so it was two speaking gigs that were the, the biggest of my year. And I, uh, man, I took it really hard and actually um, almost folded. I was, I was having a really hard time. I, I, did, so I stopped talking to people. Um, I wasn't talking to my wife about what was going on. I was embarrassed. Um, I wasn't, I had a business partner at the time. He was a 10% owner of the company. Um, and I wasn't calling him and he's an angel investor. So he, I would always call him when I needed help, but I felt so, uh, I felt like I had let him down. Like I had let my family down. And so I didn't tell anybody. I was just basically hemorrhaging. Uh, and my business partner called me one day and he goes, Hey, why haven't you called me? Is everything okay? And I said, everything's not okay. And he goes, what's wrong? And I said, we're dying. Like I'm in the red, we're dying. And he goes, okay, well, do you think you're the first person to go into the red? And I'm like, what? And he goes, every business operates in the red, but you need to answer two questions. And I said, what's that? And he goes, is there a market for what you do? I'm like, yeah. And he said, do you still love your job? Do you love what you do? I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, then we keep going. And it was that moment that made me go, oh, all right. Like I had just beat myself up and not told anybody I was dying and in one phone call, I turned everything around. Uh, we took, you know, at that point I was getting five grand a gig to speak for an hour and I dropped my fee to 295, uh, oh. which was the same fee that I had charged in my first ever gig back in 03. So I took my fee back to baseline and just I wrote a, a seminar called Five Ways Out of the Funk and started uh, going to all of our clients and saying, hey, I'm gonna come in here for $300 basically and talk to you guys about how to get through this, this difficult time. And it changed my perspective because by helping people, it got me back to where like, if I can change lives, I'm in. And so it started reminding me why I'm doing it. And, and it started kind of getting me ramped up again, where from there, it just kind of grew like crazy. So it was that moment of humbling myself, going back to my early fees and not caring about my living as much as others. Did, did you have to change the structure at all? So let's say you, you, said, you said you were charging 5,000 before, right? Mm -hmm. And then you switched it down to 295. Yeah. Was there an upsell in there or like after the 295, like if you buy these courses later on, nothing like that? Nope. Oh, wow. Just did a bunch of $300 gigs and, and held on. How, how, how long did it take you to actually kind of build back up to that 5,000 or that kind of market again? Good question. It, so the $300 were, that was like that five ways out of the funk seminar, did it a bunch of places. And then what was cool is, the market, cool for me, not good for the market, but the market started shifting and a lot of people started getting bought up by the bigger companies. So they ended up swallowing a lot of the smaller broker shops. And when that happened, 
the people I had just done these $295 seminars for went from uh, having 50 people to now they have 150 people. And so that started growing, which uh, now I've cemented my relationships with these clients. And so now I've got a much larger population of people that, that could use our stuff. Um, and then, uh, and then as uh, back then, continuing education was a thing. And so the more people moved into these big companies, the more I would get in my seminars for con continuing education. And those are 200 bucks a pop. And now I'm getting 100, 100 people you know, for a day long class. And it just kind of built up from there. So it was those relationships that I sealed that I still have today that still book me you know, for gigs. So you didn't change basically the 295 class. You basically incorporated another class that was a different pricing and then kind of done that way. Yeah, I did the 295 class just to say, let's just get through this. And then when we're yeah. through it, we'll talk about other stuff. And then once we got through it, they needed, uh, at the time it was a 20 hour class that they had to take to get their license renewal. Yeah. So I submitted and got approved to teach that. And then from there was able to uh, teach them the class that they're required to get anyway, and then kind of built it up from there. Now, you're building your, your, your platform back out. Did you have to let go of any, I guess on the downside, did you have to let anyone go or any of your admin, any of your team? And the yeah. yeah, my the only one who I was able to keep was the one that had stuck by me since the beginning. And that was my employee who still is the longest running employee. She she retired a while ago, but my mother-in-law was, uh, was my assistant um, and ran my finances. And so we had built up, I think I had two other people working for me back then. We weren't very big. Um, and those two uh, left. And then I just had me and my mother-in-law built out of that. And then uh, once we got back up and then we launched the technology in 2012, um, and then she didn't retire until I was okay. So she stuck by me making sure that, you know, the finances, cause she was so good at finances. And so she stuck by me until, until we finally were able to hire another finance person and build the company. And she's like, okay, you're okay. Now I can go. And so now she's just stay at home grandma. So. Uh, yeah, but everybody else had to go and then we had to build back up again. Do you think there was a moment or do you remember a moment where you said, okay, I'm back on track. I'm good to go. I don't have to actually leave this, this business. I'm still waiting for that. Uh, no, there's, I, you know, I hike, uh, I love to hike and sure. my problem is I hike, but I, I only look up. I don't look back and I'm trying to get better at that. So I can tell you every moment I was scared to death. But I rarely stop and look back and go, wow, I've done some pretty cool things. You know, I, I'm trying to get better at that. Um, I can tell you the moment I, uh, I felt like I was at peace. This is a strange story, but I'm standing in my, lit, my kitchen and I'm calling Alaska Airlines, a Bank of America on my Alaska card to get the, the max pushed up. We were about $200,000 in debt on my personal debt in, uh, in, what year was that? It was 2009. Um, I, we had started, no, so it was 2011, we had started building the platform and I had hired a bunch of people to grow a new company or a new, a new technology with what we were already doing. And I remember I was a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt and, uh, super stressed out. And if they didn't raise my max on my bank of America card, I couldn't afford to stay in business anymore. And I called them just going, this call is going to be the pivotal moment. And, uh, so I called them, they raised it. I'm standing there just like stunned, not sure what to think. And I look outside and this giant owl flies by my window and sits on a tree outside my window. And he just kind of looks at me and I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. 
And ever since then, for some reason, every time I'm stressed out, I'll be on a run and an owl will just be sitting up on a, on a light post or whatever. And I'll run by it and be like, okay, I'm good. So to the point that I now just look for my owl, like it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that was the, that was the moment where it was the worst ever. And yet I felt like I was going to be okay. I knew I was going to be okay. Like at that point with, with that much debt, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's wild right there. I, I wonder with the whole owl idea, if it's like, you know, when you say, okay, red cars, red cars, red cars, and you start seeing red cars, I mean, yeah. blue cars, blue cars. I wonder if, if that's a subconscious thing with the owl right there, but that's definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I don't, my, my take is I believe God knows when I need a little bit of something. And mm. I, for some reason, I just get my owl when that happens. It's, it's really strange. Like, probably six times now. And they're the only six times I've seen an owl. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but it's what I needed at the time. Right. That was the piece that I needed to go for some reason when that owl looked at me, I'm like, all right, we're good. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what, um, so if you could look back based off of, you know, that person in 2008 to where you are now, is there any kind of advice you'd give them when they're transitioning from that 500 to the 295? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think thinking long term, you know, the especially right now, I think it's easier for me to go through this time because I know long term everything works out okay. Back then, I didn't know that, right? So you go through a series of things in life that teach you that. And I remember in in college, my wife and I had no money at all. Uh, our rent was like five hundred and twenty dollars a month in downtown Denver, going to college. And I still have no idea how we afforded uh, to live through that, like how we paid our rent, how we, you, know, you just get through certain times and it's a much longer, you know, the game is much longer than one inning. And so you're going to have a down inning and yet, and I'm staring at your baseball thing behind you there, but uh, <laughs> you're going to have a down inning. Down inning it's not the end of the game. Like, well, yeah, but think of how many times, you know, a, a team will go on a run against you. And then it's yeah. like, well, this game's pretty much over. And then you're like, wait a second, you know, it's a long game. And so that's, it's going to be over. And when you figure that out, then you can just look at the details of things. Like now let's strategize and figure out, all right, how can we get through this, which is where we're at right now with the company. Yeah. I mean, no, the, talking about that, I think it's, so I was listening to, have you heard of David Goggins? Whatever, right? Oh my gosh. He got me through the morning the other day. Freaking love Goggins. It's so he was talking about the idea. I think it was like this pull up record or something like that. And they're saying how much he had to do in a day. And he's like, I, I just, yep. I just take chunks of it. I go, okay, yep. how many can I do in like 30 minutes? How many can I do in 20 minutes? How many can I do an hour? That's the same kind of idea. Make that first phone call, then make that second mm -hmm. phone call, that third phone call. Before you know it, you're going to have, you know, 20 phone oh. calls in X amount of time. So. Dude, last week I go, uh, I went on Facebook and said, hey, I'm going to do a thousand push ups today. Who's with me? And uh, I got four people to do them with me and we rocked a thousand pushups. And I had listened to a Goggins-esque podcast that morning. It was the Unbeatable Mind. Yeah. And the Unbeatable Mind podcast had interviewed this Navy SEAL. And I'm like, I need to focus on something powerful right now. Like I got to do something big. Um, and if I could, can I tell you my pushup thing? Yeah, yeah, please. So like four years ago, I woke up, it was like November and I'm like, I wonder how many, I'm not a push-up guy. I never was a push-up guy, right? And I'm like, I travel, fly around speaking. I don't have, I don't go to the gym when I fly to places. And so I've, um, I run, that's all I do. 
I woke up and I'm like, I wonder if I could do one push up on January 1st and then two push ups on January 2nd and then three on January 3rd and just add one a day. I wonder if I could trick my body into, into doing push ups. And so I woke up in the morning and January 1st, I did a push up and uh, I had put it out there for a few people to join me. And so we had a little chart and you'd put your push ups in. So I did one and I was like, that was cool. And by the way, I could do 14 in a row at the time I tried. So I could do 14 in a row was the max. The next day I did two, the next day I did three, the next day I did four, the next day I did five, and I just kept going and I never stopped through 365. So nice. on the last day of the year, I did 365, which gave me a total of 66,795 or so push-ups in that year. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was crying on the last day that I did them. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't finish things. I like to start things. I rarely finish them. And I finished that and I haven't stopped since then. And so every year I put out the challenge, like join my push-up challenge. I have so many people that get involved in the push-up challenge now and I'll get tons of messages about people who, as they finish, but I always tell people you're going to fail unless you number one, tell everybody you're doing it. Like you got to get people to know you're doing it. So you don't want to let them down. Number two, you got to have a, a before picture. And I tell people this with production in real estate, people don't have their before picture set up. And I always tell them like journal your before. So how do you feel right now? Journal your life right now. You know, what is it you're driving? What is it you're, you know, how's your family life going? That's your before picture. And for me, when I got to like May, you hit this plateau and you're like, does this even matter? And the problem with, with working out is when you do push-ups, you really don't see a change because you see yourself every day. Yeah. And so it was in like May and I held up my before picture to my now picture. And I'm like, oh, dang, it's working. And you have to know it's working for you to keep motivated. And so having that like before helps you when you're feeling down and you go, oh, wait, that's where I was before. Look at me now. And then you can, I, you keep going. Uh, but that accountability and that, you know, and that before picture helped me get all the way through it. So now I just rock a thousand in a, in a day just for fun. But the, so uh, where did but, that come from? A thousand, where did the thousand, cause the randomest thing. So I, I recently started getting, well, I guess it's been like two months like that on TikTok, Right. And someone posted yeah. something about a thousand pushups in a day. Right. And I was oh, like, really? Oh yeah. I don't, I have no clue. And so I was like, how's the pushups a day? I can do that. Let me film myself doing a thousand pushups. Right. And so I didn't, I didn't do it. Yet. My girlfriend was like, why? And this is on Sunday. So like two days ago or yeah, two days ago. And I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do it. I just didn't have time to do it that day. I want to, I want to do a thousand pushups. That's my plan is to do a thousand and film myself the whole time. Right. Yeah. And, and so you're talking about this right now. I'm like, is there, was there a thing that happened last week or something like that where people were pushing out or maybe your thing's just so expanding? Funny. Like it could be. Yeah. Huh. My my reach might be big. I don't know. Yeah, that's really that's really wild. So you, was, you do that every month, every once a year. A I just felt like now. that. No, I normally oh, okay. do two hundred pushups a day, but on that okay. one, I was like, let's just do a thousand. So I just. Uh, but the the best part was seeing people. Like what was really funny, people that were on my Facebook feed that day that said, "I'm with you," they started doing them, and then they passed me, and then I started seeing them higher than I was. And I'm like, Oh no. And so then I would go after it and then they're encouraging me. And it created this mini community of people going after the same thing. Like we're all trying to achieve. And for a day, nobody was worried about the, the coronavirus. Nobody was worried about like, it was just like, let's get after it, you guys. And it gave us a new focus and it was amazing. And the coolest part about it was my daughter is now on the push-up challenge. So today's day 124, something like that. So my 17 year old daughter and I on my last ones, she's down there doing them because she still had to get her hundred or two hundred or 
sorry, 120 something she had to knock out. And so we're doing them next to each other. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. It oh, was really God. cool. Yeah. yeah. Just, we, we got off a little track right there, but that's, that's an awesome thing right there. I, uh, I'm going to have to follow you after all this is said and done so I can jump on this, this train. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. It's a blast. But it's that type of stuff that gets you through hard times, right? It's yeah. focusing on others and focusing on uh, achievement. And that's the Goggins got us there. Yeah, like exactly. Being uncommon, we got to be uncommon. I don't want to be like everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. And doing, yeah, doing, the, like you said, the one, next day, two, three, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. It, it makes it more palatable. If you look at, if you looked at the whole thing, if you start from the, the day one and saying, okay, I'm going to do, you know, <clears throat> midway through the year, I'm going to be doing 170 push ups. You're like, no, there's no way. Like, you can't think about that. You just have to think about, can I do one? Yeah. So, and that's what um, they're like, I can't even do 100. I'm like, can you do one? Everybody can do one. Start there. You fool your body. Oh yeah. No, I mean that's. Uh, no, I think that's great. Anyone listening right now? I mean, what what are you gonna do? What's that big big thing that you're thinking about? That big piece of pie that you're thinking about? Where you can just take a little bite out of. Next. Business oh yeah. I mean, yeah. What I mean? What What about you going going forward? What do you, What What are your plans? Kind of like. So I. Uh... We're building, we just launched, um, we just actually hosted the largest and best uh, um, conference, virtual conference in the industry. Um, so when we, when this whole thing happened, I lost every live gig so far this uh, year. My last trip was to Denver in early March. I had gigs booked for April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Like the entire year is booked up with me flying and speaking. So all that's gone now. Um, even the September ones, October ones, I don't know, like we still haven't booked, but I don't know. And so, uh, we focused on bringing people together because remember focusing on other people's, uh, focusing on helping other people is what gets me through. And so I'm like, how can we get as much knowledge out to people as possible? So we created a two day conference called mortgage 2020 brought in the, uh, deputy secretary of HUD and, uh, a lot of really like high end people, Steve Sims, who's one of my favorite, uh, speakers and authors. Uh, and buddies. And so we brought in all these amazing speakers. Uh, Tim Sanders is an author from California. So I hosted a two-day event all within the Knowledge Coop, our platform. And uh, that was pretty amazing. And so we started going, all right, our developers are so good that we're like, what else can we do on this front? So they just coded for us uh, the ability to do a call without Zoom. So you can light up 35 cameras and do a full-on meeting on our platform. So right now we're just working on how can we make our platform even better and more uh, intuitive and more uh, connecting for people that, that go in there. So we're building that um, and then uh, doing, you know, growing our, our market share in CE. We've never done a whole lot of marketing. It's all been just people find out who we are. And then uh, once you have taken continued education from us, you'll just, you'll never leave. And so we are now telling people about that where we haven't in the past. We've always just been grown organically. So we're really focused on that and then building. But the, the cool thing, I have uh, ADHD. And so for me, there always has to be something fun that I'm doing. And most ADHD people don't have a job for 17 years. But since I own the company, I get to keep chasing after really exciting, fun stuff. And so we always pivot to do something really fun and exciting, and that's where we're going now. So we're just building out that technology even bigger. Um, we've got a real estate company inside the coop down in Texas that's doing real estate education. So we're uh, partnering with them to do more real estate education and just kind of growing um, the technology side of the business right now. Uh, we just purchased the technology last year, so. 
So talking about the, um, the ADHD and all that kind of stuff and how you kind of veer and see the shiny objects like that. Yeah. So how do you, what do you, what's the process you go through when you see a new shiny object or a new idea to make sure you're not putting too much of your time or too much of your money into something that's not your core, core value, core, um, business, I guess. That's the hardest thing ever. Uh, I have a lot of breaks in my life, so I'm the gas. Um, and my wife is the breaks around family stuff. And so I'll come up with ideas and she's really good at going, okay, what really matters in this one or that one? And so she kind of hones in at the office, my team, I throw an idea out there and then we bat it around and see if it's going to stick. And then we run with it if it does make sense. But I've got a lot of really amazing teammates that will not let me get too crazy um, and will help me with a, a vision of, okay, does this fit with what we're actually doing? Um, and I've learned over this many years, like in the beginning, I was, uh, let's do this, let's do that. You know, it's kind of all over the place. But now I've learned a lot over the years of just of not pulling your attention too far away. Um, but it's that ADHD that allows me to come up with ideas that are way out of this world, like stuff that other people don't think about. Um, but those ideas, if they hit and then nobody's there to make them work, then it's just going to be failed after idea after failed idea. So it's got to be my idea, their implementation. Um, and so we've got kind of a machine at the office that runs through. Does this make sense? Is this something we want to do? All right, let's go. We're, one last question, just because you're doing a lot of coaching in the real estate, in the mortgage, everything like that. Where do you envision the real estate market, the U.S. real estate market going over the next year, two years? Oh my gosh. I got asked that this morning. I was social distancing on a golf course this morning and uh, I got asked that and I said, I'll give you the same answer I gave them. I, I used to know stuff uh, and now I feel like you can't know anything. Um, I had some, I have two of my company, uh, two of my employees are buying houses right now and they're like, should we worry? Do we buy a house right now? And I go, how long are you going to live in it? And they're like a really long time. And I'm like, and when you move out, are you going to rent it out? Yep then yes, like real estate's a long-term investment. If you're going to stay in it for a while, I don't care if you buy it for 400 and it drops to 200 and it goes back up to 600. If you don't need to get out right away, like it's going to be a long-term smart investment. If you're buying something to flip in six months, I don't know. I don't know if you want to do that, but it doesn't matter what you paid for it. You know, down the road, when you sell it, you'll make money long-term on real estate. So I like it for that over the next year. I have no clue. You know, we yeah. we're moving offices right now and fortunately didn't sign a lease before this all happened because commercial property sadly is is on the market right now. You know, every day there's more commercial property because a lot of people are having to shut down and a lot of businesses will close and um and so the commercial real estate space I I'm very uh bearish. I'm, I'm sad to say, I don't think that's going anywhere, but the residential, as far as I know with all, you know, it's obviously it's all based on where you live. Um, but in our area, it hasn't slowed down. Um, it'll depend on what happens though, partially with the forbearance stuff. Yeah. So if we continue down this forbearance road where everybody just gets a forbearance for fun, then it's going to ruin a lot of future, um, mortgages. In fact, we just, I had a buddy that just ran into one. The guy has like 200,000 in the bank and wants to refi and just signed up for the forbearance because he heard it was uh, free and now he can't refi. And he's like, well, you signed up for the forbearance. And they said, well, he goes, well, yeah, but it didn't affect my credit. It wasn't supposed to. Well, yeah, you believe that. Okay. 
so that's going to cause a hiccup um, over the, the next year. But as long as, is, you know, again, I don't know, but as yeah. long as jobs come back and the, the every single day we don't go back to work is another day that another job is going to be lost. So however many jobs we can get back to normal, um, the more, you know, that we get back, the more likely it is we recover. Um, but I have no clue just because you don't know if this is going to come back in the fall. You don't know what Newsom's going to do. Uh, and my governor's similar to yours. They're on the same page. And so they control a lot of this. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that was well said. I think a lot of things. I mean, if you're, if you're looking to buy, reframe it, don't look at the, the purchase price, look at the monthly payment. I mean, there's we don't know where the market's going. But, yeah, there's – yeah, it's <clears> – <throat> For the time being, we I mean in San Diego at least, we have such a shortage of inventory that it's allowed the market to kind of keep flowing fairly hot. Yeah. Um, but because people have been yeah. afraid to put their house on the market. So yeah, it's right. every market's different. So if you're listening right now, you know, of course, yeah, dive deeper into it in your local oh. market. But yeah, across the board, it's yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, any well, last I, I would word? tell I would yeah. just tell consumers right now, call your loan officer and call your realtor. Yeah. Like those should be two phone calls people make. If they haven't made a phone call in the last two months to both of those people. They need to, even if you're not planning on selling, call the realtor and be like, how does this affect me in my marketplace? You know, build that relationship because I need my realtor watching out for me and knowing my goals because we're going to move out as soon as our, our last child moves out in three years. And so my realtor knows my goals, knows what I want to do down the road. And I need them to know that so they can be watching out for me and help me make those decisions. And then my mortgage person, I need to know. I need to know what they think I should do based on all the financial stuff. So, oh, I mean, I think one of the things that that people don't really factor in a lot, a lot of the time, is that most people are going to buy a home or sell a home every five to seven years, right? So you're already mm -hmm. going to use that realtor, or that lender down the road, right? So you're going to pay them already once. So use right. their, use their words of wisdom. I mean, the year, mm -hmm. two years, three years, four, and get as much juice out of them as much as possible. Right. Absolutely. That should be an ongoing relationship. What, um, so if someone's listening right now, if they're maybe a lender, they're in the real estate field, what's the best platform to, to look to see what you're going to be writing for your upcoming events, everything like that? Uh, check out knowledgecoop.com. And okay. then we're, my, my Instagram is ADHD CEO and, uh, I need to get better at Instagram at using Instagram. I use Facebook a ton. And so if you're following me on Facebook, um, then you'll see a lot of the stuff I post. And right now just trying to post stuff that is, uh, is is I, i'm always me and i'm always real so you got to be ready for that uh but i'm not going to sugarcoat things or or um i'm also not going to try and be fake i'm always going to be me so if they follow me on facebook you'll get a lot um we do a ton of videos so watch our the knowledge coupon facebook uh, we release a lot of videos there as well and then the knowledge coupon instagram uh you'll see i think we post some things there too Appreciate it. Thank you, Cam, for your time. Hopefully everyone listening got some great uh, tidbits right there. Yeah. Please subscribe, please share, and then check out Knowledge Coop. Thanks, everyone. Right on. Thanks, Vinny. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.